Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, let's move into our time of worship in the Word. We will be in 2 Kings 22. 2 Kings 22. While you're turning there, let me just ask you a question. And uh, I'll just level with you from the jump. This is a question that's kind of rhetorical, so you don't have to answer it. Uh, I just blew my intro, but that's all right. You ready? So don't answer this, but just answer this anyway, all right? How many of you want to honor and please Jesus in every area of your life? Yes and amen, right? Uh, the, the next question would be, how many of you want to grow in your faith? And obviously, yes and amen. We would all say that. I think all of us have a desire to be growing. All of us have a desire to please and honor Jesus in everything that we do. That is our heart. We want to do that. We want to see that happen. In fact, I would say that most Christ followers would agree. Research bears that out in LifeWay's uh, discipleship transformation research survey that they did. They found that 90% plus the vast majority of Christ followers answered in the affirmative that they want to please the Lord in every single aspect of their lives. And the same numbers said that they want to grow spiritually. But here's the question that I think is a little bit harder for us. What steps are we actually taking to grow in our faith? What are we actually doing? What tangible things are we doing in order to grow in our faith? You see, I think it's easy for us to talk about wanting to grow spiritually, but we actually oftentimes don't really do anything toward that end. It's kind of like physically changing our health. Anybody struggle with that, right? You're like... Uh, I, I have conversations with y'all here almost weekly where I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to lose some weight as I'm eating a donut, right? Like, it's a slow process. I'm not really sure why, you know, and uh, you're always graceful and kind. Nobody says, uh, maybe it's that donut, bro. Like, and I appreciate that. Or I don't need your judgment. I need your support. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I, I think that happens for us. You know, we, we talk about wanting to improve our health, but we don't really take practical steps toward that. I think we do the same thing spiritually. And actually, again, recently. Research, once again, bears that out for us. Literally 90% plus of Christ followers want to grow in their faith. They say they want to honor and please Jesus. Yet in that same poll, only one out of five church-going Christ followers said that they read the Bible every day. Only one out of five say that they have a commitment to read the Word of God every day. Now listen, let me just stop down for a second to tell you what this sermon is not. This is not a sermon designed to make you feel guilty about not reading the Bible enough. This is not a sermon to shame you about not reading the Bible. Let me just tell you, I think that I'm probably a good enough preacher. I could do that. I could shame this not out of you guys, all right? I I teach you that in seminary. But, like, I could make that happen. But here's what I know from my own experience. Shame might change me in you. I might shame you into reading the Bible for a few days, but it isn't going to last for the long haul. What really will change us this morning is if we were to recognize that there is a God who speaks to us. And the way that He speaks to us is through His Word. And when we recognize that, it should change everything for us. So what I'm hoping today is that when you leave today, you leave not feeling guilty about not reading the Bible, but instead my prayer is that you will leave Hungry for the Word of God. Maybe as hungry as you've ever been before for the Word of God. I want to introduce you to a term that you might have heard me say a few times, but it's Bible engagement. 
Bible engagement. Bible engagement is not simply reading the Bible for information's sake, but it is diving into the Word. The phrase that you've heard me say uh, that Pastor Robbie Gallaty uses is getting in the Word of God until the Word of God gets in you. Getting into the Word of God until the Word of God gets in you. Reading, studying, and applying the Word of God to every single aspect of your life. That's what Bible engagement means. Psalm 119.11 is a verse that some of you have probably committed to memory over the years. It says, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Bible itself says that Bible engagement is a way that we can grow in our faith. And if the Bible isn't enough, which the Bible is enough, but just go with me, research again will affirm that the number one indicator of spiritual growth in your life is Bible engagement. So do you want to know if you're growing in your walk with Christ? Do you want to know if you are growing in your walk with Jesus? The question that you might need to ask yourself is, am I engaging with the Bible? So I'm excited today. I believe that we have an opportunity to think about this and recommit to Bible engagement as individuals, as families, and as a church. And I think God is going to honor that commitment. So let's pray together and ask him to help us. Then we're going to dive into really what is a pretty bizarre story. I'm all about preaching the bizarre text. You know why? Because you listen better. The weirder it gets, people are like, what's he going to do with this, right? It's always fun preaching a weird passage because a couple weeks ago I'm like preaching about, you know, building your house on the rock. And uh, all you super Christians were just like taking a nap during that message because you're like, we've heard this. Maybe you weren't, but some of you, some of you were, all right? So uh, let's pray and ask Jesus to help us because I don't want you leaving saying that was a weird passage or that was an interesting message. I, I want us to leave saying God spoke to us today. So can we just ask him to do that? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that when we open it, you speak to us. And God, I pray that we would not take this for granted. God, as we think about what it means to remember the word, I pray that you would just write this down upon our hearts, that you would give us a real hunger for your word, and that as we read it, you would lead us to change, and that you would make us, mold us, and shape us into the people, the families, and the church you want us to be. We're grateful for this time. You have our full attention, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 2 Kings 22, and we're going to start in verse 8. And don't make fun of me as I butcher these names. See, here's the problem. Usually you can get away with it if the name's only in there once, but these repeat the names, right? So uh, that's always gotten me. I've, I've told people, fake it till you make it. But then when it reads the name two or three times and you pronounce it two or three different ways, people start to get it, right? So let's see what we can do here. Verse 8, And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. 
And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahakam the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. All right, we jumped right into a weird story. Let me kind of give you some background and fill you in on what's happening here. About 500 years before this, the people of God stood at the edge of the promised land. That was the text we were in last week in Deuteronomy. And if you remember, God stopped them down before they entered the promised land and uh, told them, don't forget to remember. Remember the Lord your God. You didn't do this, but God has done this because God is awesome. He has led you to this point where you are ready to fulfill what God has called you to do. And they entered into the promised land and lived happily ever after. Just kidding. If you've read the Old Testament, it doesn't go that way. In fact, just like us, things go oftentimes good for a while, but then they go really bad. And then you get into the book of Judges, and that happens several times. And you see a pattern that's very familiar. One of my favorite things about walking people through the Bible, especially for the first time, is that when they're in the Old Testament, they realize that there are some pretty messed up people in the Bible just like us. I think we tend to think of them as the heroes of the faith, and certainly even the Bible refers to some of them as heroes of the faith. You read about the heroes of the faith, they're messing up all the time. It makes me feel better about myself. Anybody else like that, right? It's like, hey, they're messed up. I never killed anybody, so I mean, whatever. I mean, you know, like we do that. We compare ourselves to each other. But at the end of the day, we see that God is faithful even when we mess up. And he has grace, mercy, and love because he continually leads his people along. They eventually end up uh, getting a king, and then the kingdom splits into the people of Israel and the people of Judah. So about 500 years later, we are sitting here looking at a young man named Josiah who is the king of Judah. Let me just tell you right now, you guys, about a year ago, were ridiculous enough to hire a 32-year-old pastor. I don't know what y'all were thinking. In a couple weeks, I'll be 33. That's totally acceptable. But 32, come on, y'all. It's dumb, all right? But if you think that's crazy, some some of you amen that. I heard uh, Anyway. But you think that's wild. Guess how old Josiah was when he began to rule? Eight years old. Eight years old. That blows my mind. And let me just tell you, we've got some kiddos in here and some students and some young adults. Let me just tell you right now, don't ever let anyone tell you that you are too young to have a difference in the kingdom of God. Really throughout all of scripture, we see God using young people, children, students, people in their 20s to change nations, to change things for the kingdom of God. In fact, if you even trace revivals through history, you'll see that oftentimes great revivals in nations started with young people. So young people in the room, whether you are a kid or whether you're one that some of our senior adults would call a kid like me, you need to know that God stands ready to use you to do incredible things for his glory. Josiah now, at the point we just read, is in his 20s. So he's got a couple decades. He's in his 20s and he has a couple decades of leadership under his belt. Isn't that insane? And he's the king, and he's at this point where he recognized that there is a lot happening in this culture. Uh, Really, he's serving as a godly king, but in a very godless culture. 
The truth is, if you were to continue reading it through the story of God's people, you'll see that it was really too late even for a godly king to turn the tide. They eventually go into God's judgment and walk into exile. They're going to be conquered and enter into that period. Church, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it feels like we're in a similar situation today. The way things are going in our world and in our culture, it's easy to feel like things are going from bad to worse. You need to know that the Bible is not surprised by that. Sometimes that comforts me. It doesn't mean that I feel good about all the evil things I see in our world, but it does help to know that the Bible says, yes, in 2 Timothy 3, in fact, it says things are going to go from bad to worse in the last days. So this shouldn't surprise us. Yet if you're pessimistic like I tend to be, it's easy to say, well, things are just going so bad. I mean, the whole world is going to Hades in a handbasket, and I think we're going to need a bigger handbasket because this seems like everybody's going crazy. And it's easy to just almost throw your hands up and say, well, I just can't do anything about this. If you're like that, can I just tell you that the story of Josiah here should maybe cause you to stop and consider the fact that even in difficult situations, even in the midst of a fallen and dying world, there is great opportunity to have a significant impact for the kingdom of God. And we see a great example of that here. So Josiah, again, in his 20s, two decades of leading God's people, is led by the Lord to begin this task of restoring and repairing the temple. So he puts people in charge of cleaning and restoring and repairing and getting the run-down temple back into shape. What you need to know about the temple is that in the Old Testament, the temple of God represented the power and presence of God. It was where they met with the Lord. It is where they went to atone for their sins. It is where they went to meet God. So in the Old Testament, what we oftentimes see is that if the temple physically is run down, oftentimes the physical condition of the temple matched the spiritual condition of the people. People. So they didn't really care about the temple because they didn't really care about God and they weren't thinking about that. They weren't sending their resources and their time and their effort here. They were just doing their own thing. So over time, the temple fell into disrepair. So Josiah says, hey, we need to work on this. So he puts people in charge of cleaning the temple and getting it back into shape. But this is where we picked up and things actually get, I think, really, really weird in this passage. Because where we find ourselves, Hilkiah, who is the high priest, the spiritual leader of the people, finds the book of the law. Like, found it. So to find it, that means what? It's been lost. It's been gone. So all of a sudden, he finds this book. And to be honest, he kind of knew what it was. He called it, hey, we found the book of the law. But then Shaphan, the secretary of Josiah, takes it to Josiah. Did you see what he said? He's like, hey, we found this book. I don't know, I don't know should we open it up and read it? And Josiah's like, yeah, go ahead, man. Let's, let's do it. So they open it up, and they start to read it. And when they find it, they are grieved because they recognize what they have. They are grieved because they see that they have not been living according to God's law. Josiah is grieved. The people are grieved because they realize it's almost like the pieces of a puzzle coming together. They're like, this is why we haven't been experiencing the power and presence of God. This is why we haven't really been concerned about taking care of the temple. This is why we have become a people without the Lord. But if you're like me, the natural question becomes, how do you lose the Bible? How do you lose the Bible? 
This was their Bible. Make no mistake. This was their Bible. This is the word of God they had recorded. In fact, it very likely is the first five books of what you have in your Bible. How in the world do they lose it? I don't really know, but here's what I do know. This didn't happen overnight. This didn't happen overnight. I promise you there wasn't a moment where the high priest went before the people and said, Hey, remember the scrolls? Remember the word of God that was written down so that we could remember it and keep the covenant? We're not going to use that anymore. Had that happened, I promise you there would have been an uprising. The deacons, the trustees, like people would have been freaking out on them and said, what do you mean? We're running this high priest out of here. There's no way. Besides, the kitchen team needs that closet. You can't just prop up the book of the law in that corner. Everything's in perfect order because every church has closets that are very organized and there's not junk in any of them. All right, Pastor Bob laughed on that. The reality is he did not say, hey, guys, just want you all to know we're done with God's word. No, it was a small choice that led to another small choice. It was decision stacking on decision. As the popular Christian song says, people never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Somewhere along the way, the people of God stopped making his word a priority in their lives. And before long, they had forgotten all about it. Still going through religious rituals, still doing all the things you're supposed to do, still high priesting, doing all that kind of stuff, but forgetting the word of God. Can I just tell you, this is the same way it happens in our lives today. We rarely make bold decisions to walk away from Jesus. Not saying it doesn't happen at all, but in my years of ministry and even in life, I don't know that I've ever heard someone declare, you know what, I'm just going to walk away from the Lord. I'm going to stop my relationship with God. I'm not going to live for Him anymore. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to do all these things. I'm just going to kind of phone it in for Jesus. I've never heard somebody say that, but can I tell you, I've seen... Time and time again in my life and in the life of others, how small decisions begin to stack on each other. And before long, people have completely walked away from the Lord. And though this may seem like a strange concept for us today, I believe we live in a world that has forgotten the Bible. A world that has lost the Bible. Even in many churches today, the Bible's been forgotten. It's ironic because we actually live in a world where the Bible is as accessible as it's ever been. We keep a copy in our vehicles. I mean, what else is going to be the paperweight to stop all those papers from sliding around in the back seat? Some, some of you, that's, that's you, right? What, what are we going to do? We, we got to have uh, the, the Bible not only in our cars. We have it. A lot of you probably have a Bible in every room in your house. We have the Bible in our pockets. Some of you are on Facebook right now, but you started on the Bible app a few minutes ago, right? It's an incredible blessing, isn't it, to think that we have the Word of God everywhere we go. It's as accessible as it's ever been in human history. Yet the sad reality is that our lives are not marked by the power and presence of God that comes with the life that is saturated in the Word. Somewhere along the way, our churches started teaching practical life lessons instead of teaching the lessons that come out of God's Word. We started teaching human ideas, pop psychology dressed up with a couple of scriptures, and we called that a sermon. Many churches have lost the Bible today. May that never be said of Crossroad Church. 
We want to be a church that holds tight to the word of God. And let me just tell you, as a part of this church family, you're responsible for making sure that happens. For making sure that we are preaching the word. Listen, if if we get to a point where I'm not preaching the word, you need to get me out of here and get someone here who will preach the word of God. But listen, as easily as a church can lose the Bible, I think that personally it's easy for us to lose God's word as well. I think personally it starts with us neglecting the preached word. It starts with us just kind of being haphazard about whether we attend congregational worship or not. When we make congregational worship optional pretty soon, we don't even think about reading God's word outside of the church. And then when we do, it's not even a real study. It's more of a verse a day here or there. It's so easy for us to take the word of God for granted. The question becomes for us, do we realize what we have here? Do you realize what we have? Do we realize the gift that we have been given? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. Some of you have memorized that verse and it says all Scripture is inspired. You know that word inspired comes from a Greek word, theonoustos, which is literally a combination of two Greek words, theos, which is God, pneuma, which is breath. Smash that together, theonoustos, and you have inspiration. The Bible is literally God-breathed. Breathed out by God. Do you want to experience the breath of God in your life? Do you want to experience God's power and presence in your life? Open your Bibles. Open your Bibles. People will say, you know, I'm just really looking for God to speak. I'm really looking for a word from the Lord. Do you need a word from the Lord? Here you go. He's given you his word. A whole bunch of words. I've heard people, and I just know that I even do this myself, like, Lord, just show me what you want me to do. I'll just pray real hard. Lord, uh, do I need to witness to my neighbor? He's already spoken on that. Lord, how do I deal with that tough person in my life that's hard to deal with? He's already spoken on that. How do I love the least of these in our city? He's already spoken on that. Some of you are looking for a word from God, and he's already given it to you if you would open it up and listen. God speaks to us when we open his word. Have you lost the Bible? Now, I know that our situation is a little different than Josiah. I don't expect you to, I mean, some of you may need to go home and literally find your copy of God's word. But most of us know where our physical Bibles are and know where to find God's word. But the question for us is have we lost the value of God's power and presence in our lives? The call today is for us to find God's Word, to clean out the closet of our life, to get rid of the clutter and the distractions that stop us from experiencing God on a regular basis. So we can discover the voice of God through His Word. I want to look with you at what Josiah and the people did when they found the word. Look at chapter 23. We're just going to read a few verses here. 2 Kings 23, verse 1 says this. Then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all the priests and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. That's everybody. 
And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. This models for us what it looks like for us to rediscover the word of God. Some of you maybe today are feeling the conviction that comes with this. Again, let me remind you. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty today, but instead, did you know that conviction you feel is actually the Lord? And this is his grace that has led us to this moment where he's giving us the opportunity to rediscover his word. So how do we do that? Well, first, if we're going to rediscover the word, we have to read the word. It's pretty basic, right? Some of you are like, I, that, I don't know if he went to seminary. Like, that's easy. Read the word. That's what Josiah did here, isn't it? He gathered everybody up and they read the Bible. Uh, In fact, let me just say, you think some of my messages are long? We don't know if this is just the covenant that God gave Moses, but very likely some think it might have been literally those books of the Pentateuch. That happens sometimes in the scripture. They get together, they read the whole thing. Could you imagine next week if we're like, hey, y'all come to church, we're going to read Genesis through Deuteronomy aloud. You're going to have to stay both services, right? Uh, We're going to have to do dinner on the ground, provide lunch, because this is going to take a while. I promise you it would be a light crowd. Well, it's the first Sunday before school starts. You know, people got to get, no, they just didn't want to read all the way through Deuteronomy. That's what they did, though. Church, can I tell you, we prioritize in a very serious way the congregation coming together to read and study the Word of God. That's what we're doing here today. And there is something that God does here when we as the people of God come together that only happens here when we as the people of God come together and say, Lord, speak to us. We're studying your word together. We want you to mold and shape us as we are here in this place together. That's why we emphasize the importance of gathering for worship. Because there are things that God only does here when we're gathered together as the people of God. I just want to say this. We're thankful for the live stream and our audiovisual team that works so hard. In fact, a, a lot of Sundays we have almost a hundred people who check that thing out. And we're thankful for guests who are maybe thinking about coming to visit. We hope you'll come to visit. We're thankful for homebound people who are able to watch that otherwise would not be able to go to church. And we're thankful for church family members who are on vacation or ill who are able to kind of check in and see what's going on. But there's a reason that we don't just send the video to you every week. Let me just tell you, if the reality is, if that was simple, we just have you like sign up on our email, uh, tithe and receive your sermon in your inbox every Sunday morning. There's some of you are like, sign me up for that. All right, introverts, I'm on to you. All right. But here's the reality. There's a reason we don't do that. While things like the live stream is a great tool, ultimately we believe that if you're able, you should gather with the people of God because there are things that God only does here when we are together as the people of God. He's molding and shaping us together as his people. You have to gather together to read the word of God. But here's the crazy thing. If the people of Judah, if Josiah could get in the time machine and come all the way to 2019, uh, I don't know why I have a time machine reference, but there you go. If Josiah came here and was here today, you know what I think would happen? I think he would be freaking out at the fact that everybody had a Bible. 
and that it was this accessible. They had to go gather together to be able to hear the word of God. But again, what an honor and a privilege that you and I have the word of God in so many ways, shapes, and forms before us today. What a blessing that is. So as serious as we need to take corporate gatherings for worship, we need to make personal reading of the word of God a priority in our lives. We've talked about this before, but let me just encourage you again to develop a systematic reading plan to read the Bible. If you don't plan to read the Bible, you're planning not to read the Bible, okay? It's just the reality. There's no plan that that is one size fits all. Some of you uh, could read a couple chapters a day, five chapters a day. I have a reading plan that reads ten chapters spread throughout the Bible. So about the time that I get distracted, I'm moving on to a different part of the Bible. It works out well for me, but that might not work for you. The reality is that it's not one size fits all, but I do know this. You need a plan to read the Bible. There are wonderful plans out there. You can do basic research and find some. If you have a smartphone, the YouVersion app is excellent with tons and tons of different Bible reading plans to help you get started and help you get in the Word until the Word of God gets in you. That can happen if we will just engage with the Scriptures and have a plan to read God's Word. Because if you don't have a plan, again, you're really planning not to read the Bible because I'll just level with you. Everything in the world is going to come against you in your time in God's word. It's ridiculous how it happens. I was joking with the first service that uh, I become the best husband in the world when I'm trying to do my Bible reading. Because I'm telling you stuff that I would never think to do. Well, you know, I wonder if the trash has been taken out. Those dishes, you know, they're not going to wash themselves. I better go. Mallory's really been encouraging me to get in the word. I don't really know why. But uh, the truth is you've experienced that. And I'll just tell you that I'm a pastor. God has called me to spend my life preparing to preach and teach the word of God. And you as a church have called me here to serve you in that way and set me apart. You provide for my family financially so that I can spend my time laboring in the word of God. And even that, this is my job. And there's some days that it's a struggle to open up the word of God and do that work even here at work. So I know this struggle, and this is why we must be intentional about making a plan to get in the Word of God. If we don't, we'll forget His Word, and it happens quick, doesn't it? One day out of the Word turns into two days out of the Word, turns into a week without reading the Bible, and before you know it, the only Bible you're getting is when you show up here. Let's make a plan to get in God's Word. If we're going to rediscover the Word, we've got to read the Word, but also we've got to obey the Word. You'll notice here in verse 3, Josiah leads the people to commit to obeying these commands, to renew their covenant. They basically come together as the people of God and say, yes, Lord, whatever the question is, yes, we're ready to do this. All of them come together and they commit to obey the Lord. This is important for us because I think sometimes, in fact, I know that sometimes it's a lot easier to read the word than it is to obey the word. Anybody have that struggle? And again, as a pastor, I love reading the Bible. I spent my educational years learning about the Bible. I still like for fun read theology books. That's just what I enjoy doing. But it makes it so frustrating because I know what God says on so many things, yet I struggle to do what God says on so many things. It's one thing to know what God says. It's another thing to do what God says. It's so easy to walk in our own ways. 
But we have to ask the Lord to help us not just know the word, but to do the word. Another practical thing that I hope may be helpful for you, it's been helpful for me. In the mornings when I wake up and try to spend some time in the Word before I come to work, when I do that, before I open the Bible, I pray and I say, Lord, teach me today. I just take a moment to take a breath. I don't just grab my Bible and say, all right, I better do this and start knocking it out. But I open the Word and I say, God, please teach me. Let me see what you want me to see today. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to tell you that like every day it's like, oh. You know, and like <laughs> that whole 10 chapters spoke directly. To, no, but there are more days than not that I encounter something in my life and the Lord reminds me of something that I read that morning. I think I've told you this before. People always just think because you're a pastor and went to seminary that you're like a Bible guru. And sometimes I think that I feed this lie unintentionally because we'll be talking and I'll be like, yeah, that's uh, like what God said in Numbers chapter 4. And you're like, oh my gosh, Rusty has numbers memorized. No, can I tell you that 99% of the time, if I am throwing a Bible verse at you, if we're counseling, talking, visiting, drinking a cup of coffee, can I tell you where that came from? What I've been reading that week. What God's been doing in me. And it happens because I stop and I say, Lord, speak to my heart. Speak to me. Teach me. And not only will God teach you, but you'll be able to use that to encourage others. Proverbs says that a word fitly spoken is like many golden apples or something like that. I mean, I don't know how much golden apples are going for, but you get the point, right? That a word in season is of much value. It's the rusty paraphrase version. You'll be prepared and able to give those words to people when you're getting in the word of God until the word of God gets in you. But we've got to ask God to help it get in us. Don't let this be mindless reading, but God, speak to me. We read God's word because we want it to change us. We don't read God's word because Rusty's preaching about it. We don't read God's word because we want to be extra Jesus-y and religious and check that off of our box of religious to-dos. We read God's word because we know that when we open it that he's literally molding and shaping us into who he wants us to be. If we're going to rediscover the word, we've got to obey the word. Finally, if we're going to rediscover God's word, we've got to be a people who love the word. Let me just level with you. This is kind of out of order. Because truthfully, I believe that if we love the word of God, then we would read it and obey it. Right? This is really the heart of the entire message. If we would love the word of God, then everything else here would fall into place. But we need to rediscover our love for God's word. Again, not because of information, not because of the history and religious details it gives us, but because every time we open it, every time we open God's word, we're experiencing him. So that should lead us to being a people who are opening God's word every chance we get. When we're at the grocery store and we're standing in that line at the checkout, God forbid we make eye contact with somebody, right? So instead of pulling out our phone and going to Facebook or social media, we're going to open up the Bible app and use that time to get in the Word. When we have that few minutes when our kiddos uh, take a nap or when they go to bed before we do, some nights, by the grace of God. Sorry, testimony time. We're not going to fire up Netflix or whatever streaming platform you use. Instead, we're going to get in the Word of God. 
When I wake up in the morning, I'm not going to just start instantly filling my mind with whatever, whatever flavor of cable news I choose. Instead, I'm going to open up the Word of God and let Him fill my mind and my heart as I begin the day. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know where you're at today. You just fill in the blank. I could just keep doing that. You know, some preachers do. They'll like have five minutes. I don't know if you're in this. Like, I'm not going to do that for you. All right. Just fill in the blank. What is it for you? What are those windows of time in your life? What are those moments in your life that God could allow you to redeem the time for his glory? To open up his word. I want us to love the Bible so much that every time we get a chance, we're wanting to read it. I was reading an article uh, from, I believe it was Jerry Jenkins, who is a Christian writer and a biographer for Billy Graham. He had an opportunity to spend a lot of time with Billy Graham as he was writing this biography and uh, hanging out and became, became friends with him. And he was asking him about spiritual disciplines. And he asked Billy Graham about his spiritual disciplines and about reading the Bible. And he said, uh, so what do you do when you miss a day of reading the Bible? And Billy Graham said to him, well, that doesn't really happen and you're probably like me well yeah of course he's Billy Graham right that's kind of what people think but here's what he said he told Jerry Jenkins that he leaves his Bible open and when he gets a minute when he gets a couple minutes when he gets an hour when he gets a window of free time he goes to the word of God sometimes it's a couple sentences sometimes it's a couple chapters sometimes it's a couple hours that was what Billy Graham said I get an opportunity, I am going to the Word of God. He didn't, I love the honesty in that. He didn't like, well, yeah, I read 75 chapters a day and I haven't missed since I was 15. No. But he leaves the Word of God open and he's continually seeking opportunities to get in the Word of God. Can I tell you, church, that's what I want us to be about. I want us to be open Bible Christians. Not literally now. I don't want to drive by anybody who has this open on the dash, you know, like crossing over into my lane. All right, be careful. Think you're going to arrive to the pearly gates early and be like, but I was reading my Bible. No, all right, no. Here's the thing. I want us to be ready to read the Word of God every chance we get. I want to become that person who has a hunger for the Word where when a window of time comes, I'm not looking for the entertainment of the world to fill my heart. I'm not looking for anything else, but I want God to speak into my life. Can I just tell y'all, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But this is what I'm asking the Lord to help me do. Because if we're not careful, we stop loving the Bible. When we stop loving the Bible, you know what happens? This becomes a chore. And the very thing that God has given us that should be of a great blessing to us, that should be changing our life, becomes a beating. And we turn it into a religious to-do instead of the delight that it is. Friends, the invitation today is to remember the Bible. Remember that God speaks to us. To get in God's word, maybe even this afternoon, and hear with fresh ears, see with new eyes, hear the God of all creation speaking directly into your life. Friends, we have a God who speaks, and he is ready to reveal himself to those who will seek him. Let's get in our Bibles, let's love the word, and let's read it and obey it. You pray with me. Lord, thank you for the Bible, thank you for your word. I ask God that you would apply it to our hearts. 
Lord, that you wouldn't let us forget. It's so easy in a world full of distractions to be swept away by the cares and worries of the world. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people committed to your word, that we would experience your truth, that we would open the Bible. Lord, I know that today, maybe even after this sermon, there are people who maybe for the first time ever, maybe for the first time in a while, are going to open their Bibles, whether it's today or tomorrow. Lord, I pray that when they do, they will so clearly experience you, that you will just affirm what you've said to us today.